This a success off another breath. This the first step in searching to be nothing less than be the best in what you do to prove their strength in being you. Learn so much in chasing dreams that I never would in school. And what's going on, guys? Kieran Headley here from the Pocket Coach Podcast. Here we speak about mental health and performance by bringing together science and mindfulness. I'm Kieran Headley. I've had the privilege of studying under two different Buddhist monks and have for many years studied uh, out of pure interest uh, neuroscience, endocrinology, and various other factors of biology um, and other areas of science and uh, just really starting to understand Uh, really trying to understand the human brain, the way it works, and how we can optimize it for more happiness and more performance. So today, I'll be speaking to you individually. Uh, We do sometimes have on the show doctors or specialists of their fields. We do that usually once a week where I get to interview them. And today, I have the privilege of uh, sitting down with you guys and speaking about this particular topic which is uh, freedom from suffering. Many of us listening, uh, many of you listening, uh, I can imagine have had many uh, moments that might be of, might have been rock bottom for you. Um, I know all of us, all of you listening, <laughs> I say all of us because this includes me, all of you listening, all of us have absolutely at some stage suffered. Now, suffering doesn't need to be trauma with a capital T. Suffering also doesn't need to be rock bottom specifically. Let's define suffering because by defining suffering first, we can learn how to create freedom from suffering. So what is suffering, right? So many of us might say, oh, suffering sadness. Suffering's anxiety. Suffering is heartbreak. Suffering is loneliness or solitude. What is suffering to you? Think about that for a moment. What is suffering to you? Because what suffering will mean to you specifically, if you were to define it by yourself, I guarantee it will be slightly different from the next person and the next person. It will be different from how I define it, which I'm going to in a second. What suffering is to you will be completely dependent on your experience with specific situations and emotions within your life that you have rejected. That's what suffering will be to you. So for me, because I really suffered from depression, anxiety, loneliness, solitude, uh, these things for me have been presented in a form of suffering for me because I've really suffered them, right? I've really despised those experiences uh, so intensely to the point where I suffered them. Today, however, if an experience of loneliness, depressiveness, anxiousness, um, I, a situation of solitude, any of those things come up for me now, I don't suffer. So what's the difference? It's, it's, it's interesting to say that, isn't it? Because it's clear that they're the same experience or, or situations. Yet I say I don't suffer. What is the difference? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Because I've had the opportunity of working through these experiences and situations to such an extent where, yes, suffering still comes into my life here and there. But not to a excruciating, intense amount that it used to, right? Not to the extremity that it used to, to the point where I didn't want to leave my room to the point where I didn't want to face the world for months on end, yes, this would be a literal thing for me, to the point where I would beat myself so hard into the ground that uh, I, I, oh man, I was just purely at rock bottom to the point I'd have panic attacks, to the point where I'd just feel like crying all the time. I really, to be honest, I didn't cry too much when I was in depression, but um, I wanted to a lot and I struggled too because I kept judging myself for, for crying. And uh, yeah, man, it was just, (laughs) it's a crazy experience being in this. And I can 100% in pure honesty tell you that today I don't have those experiences anymore. I don't, I haven't had a panic attack in more than two and a half years. 
I haven't had a depression spell where I've been, you know, consistently deeply sad for more than a day or two since then. Um, you know, I used to have this for months on end, guys. It's possible. It's more possible than you'll believe to become free from suffering. You know, I'm still on my journey. It's only been two and a half years that I've been doing this, um, you know, with a deep understanding. Even though I've been meditating for about eight years now, it doesn't mean that I've actually been on this deeper journey for eight years. No, it's only really been the last two and a half years that I've actually accumulated a deeper understanding for what it means to actually be on this path of freedom from suffering. Because um, it's been a, you know, a daily thing, a daily exercise for me, something I practice on the daily, or frick, you know, most hours of the day, <laughs> I'm doing something for myself that's helping me to create this freedom from suffering. And that's what I want to jump, wanted to jump on here today to share with you a little bit about. You know, just even a snippet of it, because I mean, if I've, you know, spent this long creating this freedom from suffering, you know, imagine what's possible in another two and a half years time for me or, you know, another 10 years time for me, man, that's, you know, it's not even conceivable for me right now. I mean, imagine what's possible for you. If you take these tools that I'm going to share with you, these practices that I'm going to share with you uh, that I've spent, you know, all these years accumulating from many teachers, from my own studies in medical neuroscience. I do actually study medical neuroscience now too, alongside of the fact that I've done a lot of self-study. And um, and also as well from my many teachers. I've had various teachers in my life. Um, I currently do have two separate mentors. And uh, as I mentioned, I've studied on two different body of monks. And having these beautiful opportunities of working with all these people, right, Yes, it's a lot of information. Yes, it's a lot of understanding. Uh, so today, my goal here is to, because uh, we're already, you know, maybe uh, a few minutes in, you know, seven, eight minutes in, I do want to uh, try in the next 20 minutes maximum, ideally. That's the goal here. Come on, guys. <laughs> Come on, kids. You can do it, mate. Um, I'm going to try to summarize in a very condensed way, in a simplistic way, a little bit of that. Okay, without going too overboard because I have a habit of that. I get carried away with these things. <laughs> you know, I'm myself, I'm a coach. So when I work with clients, I actually have a window of 90 minutes, an hour and a half, where I actually dive deep with them. Um, and then I, I don't really, I don't get the opportunity to do with that you, with you guys because I'm just going off on a whim here. You know, I don't have anything specific to work with. So we're going broad here, but I'll do my best. Now, suffering. In order to become free of it, we must first define it. So how do we define suffering? Let's keep it simple. Suffering is the expectation that something else is better than it is now. Suffering is the expectation that something else is better than it is now. That's it. What am I speaking about here with the something? What's the something? Well, it's how I'm feeling. It's what's happening around me. It's what's happening, quote unquote, to me. It's my current financial, romantic, social, uh, career situation, family situation, right? It's my situation that I'm involved in. If any of these things are different to the way I expect them to be, so long as I'm present with those things, I will suffer. Now, there's nothing wrong, I use the word expectation here, which means there's nothing wrong with wanting or desiring, right? Or, um, heck, yes, craving is not ideal, but even craving, just the genuine sense of craving itself, in a mild sense, isn't, you know, isn't going to... Um, instantly make you uh, suffer tremendously. So when I say expectation, I mean that you are expecting that the current situation you are in is better than what it is. That is it. That is absolutely it. And that either means external or internal. So if I was use some examples there, right? If your partner is saying something to you that is different to the way you expect them to be saying it. For example, uh, if you say to them, I love you, babe, and they say, love you, babe, and you're like, oh, I really wanted them to say, I love you, babe. 
this is the thing, guys. You know, like I used to have these things as well. Um, another example, right? If I'll just use the partner example again, because it's easy. If a partner of yours, um, uh, say, comes up to you and uh, gives you a little hug, but you really wanted them to actually hold you or even kiss you on the cheek because you expected the hold embrace, you expected the kiss on the cheek, you'll suffer just their slight hug. Isn't that crazy? You'll suffer something beautiful just because the expectation was more than what it was that you received or different to what it was you received, right? So in other words, based on your perspective, something else could be better. Not based on reality, based on your perspective, okay? Now, another example. Say you're earning $4,000 a month, but you expect, basically, based on where you are holding your worthiness, you expect that you should be earning $6,000 per month. You're going to suffer the $4,000 per month. Even if, when you're earning $3,000 per month, you're like, man, it'll be so nice to earn $4,000 per month. But now your expectations have changed. So now you suffer the thing that you wanted. Isn't that crazy? Another example. Say you've been working in your position for two years. And it's a promoted position, right? It's a position you had to work for. It wasn't there once upon a time when you craved that position. Now, because you've been working in that same position for two years, there's an expectation that your, your position should be exceeding that of what you are in the moment. Right. So in other words, you, sh you expect yourself to be in a better position. Therefore, you suffer your current position. Another example, you start to feel a little bit negative. Okay. You start having negative thoughts, but you, oh, you are a positive person. How could you have negative thoughts? You're going to start to beat yourself up now because the expectation is that you should be, Kieran should be having positive thoughts. Because Kieran should be having positive thoughts, okay? But Kieran is having negative thoughts. I'm going to suffer the expectation that I should have positive thoughts. I'm not actually suffering the negative thoughts. I have negative thoughts all the time. <laughs> I just simply don't call them negative thoughts anymore. Therefore, how can I suffer them? They're just thoughts, right? That's the difference. So when there's an expectation there that something should be different to the way it is, I suffer. That's it. That's it. It's literally as simple as that, guys. No need to complicate it. Whether your relationship is different to the way you expect it should be, whether your financial situation is different to what you expect it to be, whether your, your emotions or your thought processes are different to the way you expect them to be, you will suffer. That is it. Okay, great. Now we know what it is. How do we create freedom from said suffering? Well, if the expectation is the variable here, what if we went the other side of expectation and we got rid of the expectation entirely? Okay, well, great. How, would you, how do we do that? <laughs> yeah. At the end of the day, you know, it'll be, like, I'll, I'll be able to survive better if I have 6000 a month rather than 4000 a month. I mean, I need my needs met because a relationship is, a, you know, a... a two-person um, creation as it is you know it takes two to tango in a relationship my needs need to be met yeah great absolutely but when it's an expectation rather than a desire if you remember what i said earlier you will suffer the expectation so basically what will happen is in the relationship you will overlook all the beautiful things in the relationship simply because you are noticing that these few things within the relationship aren't the way you expect them to be. Therefore, you suffer everything. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Same with the money. Even if your money situation is better than what it was. Same with your position. Even if your position is better than what it was. Same with your emotions. Even if you are having more joyful days per year now than what you used to three, four years ago, you're still going to suffer the joyful days. Okay. Even if you, say, have been having really bad days, many days this year, you're going to suffer the joyful days because your expectation is that your, uh, uh, your expectation is that your joy on average should be more than what it is. So basically, the moment that you feel joyful, because you're so afraid to feel sad again, you're going to suffer 
that fact that, oh man, it, I want to stay this way. I want to stay joyful. I want to stay happy. So you're going to start to suffer the finiteness of the joy. Isn't that crazy? So even when the joy is present, it's like you're suffering the joy just because it's going to end. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to being human. <laughs> These things are finite. These experiences, all experiences are finite. So the moment that we create clinging, craving, neediness, expectation of something to be sustained, we will suffer too. Okay. So not only might it be the expectation that something should be better than what it is now, it might also be as well the expectation that what is happening now should remain. That's the other factor of suffering. So in other words, one word, attachment. Okay. A-T-T-A-C-H-M-E-N-T. Is there an extra T before the C-H? I, I, I need to see it in order to, like, when I write it out, I definitely spell it right. Don't worry, guys. That's <laughs> when I've got it in my mind, but you get my point. Anyway, attachment. Okay, well, what is attachment? Attachment is essentially expectation. Okay, attachment is something that basic um, that we perceive is something that we absolutely need in order to have be in some shape or form completed or fulfilled. Okay, that's attachment. I need this in order to be fulfilled or complete. That's attachment. So the moment that I say I need this in order to be fulfilled, whether it's I need my partner to act this way or to say these words, I need my money to be at this degree, at this level, I need my room to be this tidy, right? I need myself to be under this body weight, okay? I need myself to be under this body fat percentage. I need myself to be this warm all the time. I need myself to be um, this positive all the time, right? So it's attachment to a specific identity of self or a specific way of life, that the way life should be, right? So again, if we're attached to a sustained concept or just attached in general, we're going to suffer as well. So, man, there's so many ways we can suffer. Isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Now, here's why this happens. Right. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to also give you some good news. Don't worry. <laughs> right. the first of all, the good news is, well, it's, it's a very simplistic and straightforward way out. It's not simple to do. It's simple to explain, right. which is good right? because it means it, it's less complicated. Right? You know, there's a lot of gurus out there. Um, I'm not talking about, you know, the true essence of what a guru means, which is, um, you know, genu like a teacher, right? And teacher meaning um, someone that is, has become a master of their field. So I'm not talking about those gurus. I'm talking about the gurus, you know, on the internet, <laughs> the ones that call themselves the gurus. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of gurus out there making things very complicated. Why? Because when, say I came and said to you something very complicated, and I said to you, the only way to do it is along these lines. This is the only way to be happy, guys. <laughs> right. If I said that to you, um, and I'm like, okay, but if you buy my course, right, and you do it step by step, it'll be easy, guys. Well, of course, it's a moneymaker, right? So that's why people out there make it so complicated. It doesn't need to be complicated, right? I mean, yes, I've got my coaching stuff, but I'm not here telling you that that's the only way. It's not. It's just one way. There's so many ways, guys. So many ways. I just simply want the best for you guys, which is why I show up in the way that I do, you know, every week like this. And the way out of suffering is simply this. Acceptance of the way things are. Acceptance of the way things are, because accepting the way things are in this moment, in this moment, not in the way... Things could be. I'm not accepting the way things could be because that's still an expectation of the way things should be compared to where they are now. No, acceptance of the way things are now. This doesn't just mean external circumstances. It also means the way I feel. Accepting my feelings, accepting my thoughts, just the way they are. That is freedom from suffering. That's straightforward, guys. That's literally it. <laughs> great now how do we come to acceptance right it's not like we can just click our fingers and be like ah oh, accept myself <laughs> oh if only it was that easy hmm. no no unfortunately it's not and don't worry you don't need a course for this okay you don't even need a coach for this 
I myself have a coach because it expands my ability and makes me more efficient and effective with the work that I do for myself. But it's not needed at the same time. So, this is how we come to more acceptance of self and the way things are. And before I do actually explain that, why is it that acceptance is a healer? Why? Put it this way. If you're in a place where you fully accepted the way things were, right now, okay, just say hypothetically, you're driving in the car, you're making dinner, okay, or you're just sitting down and watching me on YouTube, whichever one you're doing. <laughs> Let's just say everything that could happen to you, okay, any, anything bad, like anything bad that could happen to you, okay, and that could be any story you've made up in your mind. Just say hypothetically that was not a possibility. Hypothetically. Okay, so anything bad that could happen to you, it just couldn't happen. Just, there's no possible way, right? Everything was going to go your way from now on. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> Let's just say that hypothetically. Okay. Let's also say hypothetically as well that there was no such thing as a future moment. There was only this moment. Let's just say, you know, hypothetically. Let's just pretend for a moment. <laughs> Let's just pretend that only this moment existed, no other moment, right? So you just were in this moment consistently, you know, for eternity until you died. You were just in this moment. There was no future moment. There was no past moment. It was just this moment. Let's just say hypothetically, Bryce, okay? Is there anything you could suffer? Is there anything that could be wrong? Is there anything that could actually be a problem? Now, you might say, well, Kieran, you know, my car could break down. Yeah, but if you were in that moment with the car broken down, you couldn't compare it to when the car was working because there's no past moment, there's no future moment. There's just current moment. So how could you suffer the, broken, the car that's broken down when you can't even compare it to when the car was moving because there's no existential factor of that? So you can only be present with the broken down car. So how could you suffer the broken down car? <laughs> Again, suffering is that when I compare my broken down car to the fact that it was moving earlier. So I suffer the broken down car. Oh, but well, what about the fact that I have to be at work? Yeah, but that's still thinking in a future moment, you see. You're suffering something that is in a future moment. You're not suffering something that is now. Again, hypothetically. This isn't reality, guys, right? I'm not, I'm not, we're not, I'm not throwing you into that yet. <laughs> Hypothetically, okay, you're only in that moment. Only that moment can exist. No future moment, no past moment. How could you suffer? You can't. You quite literally cannot suffer the present moment unless physical pain is happening to you. That is it. Heck, even physical pain, okay? Even physical pain doesn't need to be suffered. Well, what if my hand got chopped off, Karen? <laughs> yeah, that would hurt like hell. Um, but trust me, there's um, some incredibly tough nutter guys and girls and people and humans out there that have built up their ability to not suffer pain because pain and suffering are two different things. Pain doesn't equate to suffering. Pain is simply an experience of the system. Suffering is the suffering of that experience. It says, Muji says, I'm not experiencing suffering. I'm suffering my experiencing. That's it. Because you can't experience suffering. You can only suffer your experiencing. So when your experiencing of something is not the way that you want it to be, you suffer it. You see, so even if it's pain, right? if it's the fact that you're trying to reject the pain, it's like, oh, I don't want to feel this pain right now. You're going to suffer the pain. You know, I've broken many bones, unfortunately. You know, I've had many injuries, unfortunately. And yeah, they hurt like hell. And yeah, I suffered them because at the time I didn't understand this concept. But yes, this is also possible to not suffer. I've had an opportunity of, um, yeah, actually having a really bad concussion. I've also had the opportunity of having um, a couple of really quite severe injuries for myself that um, I've had the opportunity as well of practicing this because I've been more aware of this concept that, oh, wow, what if I came to accept that this pain is just simply this moment? And 
I'm some, I'm not suffering the pain. I'm suffering the fact that I think that it would be better without the pain. You see? So again, I'm thinking of a moment when that pain wasn't there. I'm thinking that moment is better than the, what this moment is. Therefore, I suffer. So hopefully you're getting the picture. Now I'm also going to share with you, and many of many of you listening might be like, yeah, I know this. But the hypothetical scenario I just gave you is actually reality. There's no future moment. There's no past moment, right? That's just simply a psychological existence. The only way a future moment of you being at work right now, right? If you say you're not at work, if you're at work, you'd be like, I'm at work, right? <laughs> but say your car's broken down and you need to get to work, right? That work scenario isn't in existence now. The only thing in existence existentially, you're by your broken down car. Psychologically, you're thinking you should be at work. That's a future scenario which has been cultivated within your brain. That is it. So again, it's psychological reality, so that, that's not existential. If it's not existential, it's not reality. So in other words, you're suffering something that does not exist. <laughs> it sounds crazy, doesn't it? But trust me, this is coming from someone who used to have very severe depression, very severe anxiety and panic attacks. And here I am speaking all this gibberish to you. <laughs> now, you know, you might think that I've just gone crazy or you might start to actually grasp a thing or two that I might be sharing. You might be thinking, okay, well, how can I use this in my own life? Also, as I'm speaking, I'm actually, I'm not kidding. I'm suffering the heat. <laughs> I'm suffering the heat because I crave right now a cooler temperature. So therefore, I suffer the heat because I've got the heater on in this room. Okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to open the window so that I can decrease the level of suffering here. <laughs> I'm not displaying a very good showcase of acceptance here, am I? But I'm going to do it because I can. There we go. Oh. Mm. That is much better. Mm. Yeah. So yes, that was a showcase of suffering in a very mild form, right? It's still suffering because I still felt that this moment wasn't as good as what the moment could be. Therefore, I suffered, right? Actually, sorry, that's, oh, let's rephrase that. I expected that this moment should be much cooler than what it was, therefore I suffered it, right? Because it was the expectation, it was the attachment to a certain temperature that I craved. Yes, the warmer temperature was uncomfortable, right? And was leading me to not being able to be as present with you guys because I was thinking about the heat. So, therefore I suffered a little, yeah. So, although the amount that I suffered, it was much less than what it might have been in the past, it was still there. So, it's still suffering. Man, there's so much potential suffering out there, right? There's so much, yeah, for sure. But that's just because I myself have raised my standard for life and for living to such a degree that anything below a present state of being and a joyful state of way of living, for me, is suffering, right? But here's the thing. Don't suffer your suffering. Just because I fall down into, you know, a little bit of sadness and I'm like, oh man, I don't want to feel sad right now. I'm not going to beat myself up for that suffering that's happening just because I've got a standard of living that's quite high. That's actually just going to regress myself. So it's not about setting an expectation that I should be at this level. No, 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 no. Standard doesn't mean expectation. Standard just means an ideal. Okay, so my standard is my ideal. And when I fall below that ideal in terms of my overall way of experiencing life, I simply come to a place where I accept that case. I accept the reality of what it is because I'm not thinking in a future moment or a past moment. I'm simply experiencing this moment as it is. And I come to a place where I slowly but surely fully accept this moment the way it is and this experiencing the way it is. Are you following? I wish you could respond to me. <laughs> hmm. So, as good old Keza fashion does, we've gone a little over the time that I expected. So, we're going to get into a little bit about the tools in terms of how you can come to more acceptance of this moment. Yeah, so, I know this stuff is a little bit deeper than what I might go normally, but I feel like it's really appropriate as, especially if anyone's been doing a little bit of work on themselves, this stuff's going to connect. 
if you're not dis- if you're not very connected with um, self work or you know personal development, then yeah, sure, you know you might be a bit disconnected from what I'm sharing, and that's okay. You know, um, what you'll find is that as you maybe take away these tools that I'm going to share with you, you might find that uh, this work uh, will, or this, these things that I'm sharing with you will start to make more sense in some time after you've done some of these practices a bit more. So in order to come to a greater sense of acceptance now, here in this moment, right, I'm going to give you four things that you can start to do and you can take away and you can start using straight away. That's a beautiful thing. So the first two are in the form of reprogramming. The first two are in the form of reprogramming. So ultimately, one of the ways that we can start to shift our way of coming to a greater sense of acceptance and starting to shift away from suffering is by reprogramming ourselves. Okay, so in other words, you know, you hear about this great word called neuroplasticity. In other words, reprogramming or the changeability of the brain and the nervous system. That's what neuroplasticity means, right? Plasticity means changeability. So when you talk about plastic surgery, I'm not inserting plastic into your system. No, it means changeability, okay? Or, or malleability, okay? So malleability or changeability of the brain or the nervous system and or, because it's really one thing, right? And how that happens, I can get into a specific podcast just about neuroplasticity and we could spend a whole hour on it, just that alone. Frick, we could probably spend hours on it. Um, and I know um, I'll probably get my friend Jody Bell, and once again, she's on the way to PhD of cognitive neuroscience, and we can have a big discussion about neuroplasticity as well with her at some stage. But for now, I'm just going to give you very simple basics of how this can be the case. Okay, so if you can make a scenario a little bit more comfortable than what it was previously, you will suffer it less. Simple, right? So let's just say a spider jumped up on my table here. If my reaction was that I hate spiders, I can't stand spiders, I need to be out of this room, I suffer that experience. But what if, let's just say hypothetically, yeah, what if that spider was on my table and I chose this time just to sit here, just to observe. I'm like, you know what, I'm just going to observe the spider. I'm just going to watch the spider and, and be a little bit more... Still, I'm going to be present, just to make sure it doesn't jump at me. <laughs> I'm just watching the spider. Hmm. What's going to happen? Well, first of all, I'm probably going to suffer the experience a little less, right? The other thing that's going to happen is that maybe the next time that I confront a spider, I might react a little less. And then if I practice the same thing of just staying in the parameter of, you know, close to the spider and just observing it, then the next time I'll suffer even less. And then even less. And then even, you see where I'm going with this. It's the same with heights. It's called exposure therapy. Pretty straightforward, right? When we expose ourselves to something we don't like or we're afraid of, in time we become desensitized to it. As we become more desensitized to it, we suffer it less. Why? Because we're no longer expecting the moment or the situation to be different to the way it is because we're not afraid of it, right? So there's two factors here. One, if there's a perceived threat that is in play. I'm got my expectation that things should be different is going to be strong, right? That's the first thing. Secondly, if the amount of pleasure that's possible within something isn't as intense as what it could be, I'm also going to suffer, suffer the lack of pleasure, of pleasure, okay? So I either suffer a threat or I suffer a lack of pleasure, okay? So those are two things. And in this case, I'm suffering, right, the um, showcase of a threat, and the relationship scenario I shared with you where I wasn't embraced as much by my partner as I hoped and wasn't given the kiss on the cheek, I had, there was a lesser level of pleasure there compared to what it would have been, what, it, what I expected it to be. Okay, so there could have been more pleasure there. Therefore, I suffer the lack of pleasure, you see. So those are the two things. Okay, now, if I can come to a place where the threat is no longer as much of a threat, you see, I suffer less. Because I'm showing myself that the spider isn't as dangerous as what I first perceived it to be. Because it's just sitting there. It's not doing anything. 
and after some time I become adjusted to the spider being there. I become desensitized to the scary eight legs and the fur on its back and, <laughs> and all those eyes googling at me. <laughs> sorry, you spider um, arachnophobes over there. Okay, um, yep, sorry, had to describe it, but you get my point. I'm going to be less uh, sensitized to it. I'm going to be more desensitized to it. Therefore, I'm going to be see it as less of a threat, you see. Now, on the other end, if I'm in a place where the level of expectation I have, by, through practice, right, and I'll, I'll tell you about this in a second, the level of expectation I have for my partner to hold me and embrace me and give me that peck on my cheek, when that expectation is less, I'm going to be able to enjoy and find more pleasure than just simply the hug. So how do we do this? Reprogramming. So the first uh, factor of reprogramming is going to be a reprogramming through a threat, right? Now, this can also be used as well in a pleasurable scenario, but it's a, it's a little bit more easeful. Um, it's a little bit more practical for a threatening scenario, okay? That's why I've got I've broken up into two parts. So this is called future journaling. Very simple, okay? Every morning, you spend five minutes doing this, okay? If you can do this every morning, it's going to start to help you. You're writing down scenarios that are perceived threats in your mind, whether it's jealousy, whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's fear, whatever it is, okay? You're going to write, when I would normally feel anxious, I am learning to feel peace. When I would normally feel anxious, I am learning to feel peace. And you're writing this physically, okay? Because the act of writing, by the way, guys, is a physical action. And in order to actually action a physical action, a thought is first required. You're quite literally triggering neurons, groups of neurons in your brain in order to do the writing process. In order to utilize the writing process, you're actually stimulating the language aspect of your brain, okay, or language aspects of your brain, I should say, that is therefore right, triggering these words and the meaning of these words in your brain in order to enable the writing of these words. So when you're writing these words, you're quite literally instructing your brain that when I would normally feel anxious, I'm learning to feel peaceful. Now what's going to happen is when anxiety starts to arise in the future. If you do this consistently enough, it's going to be like, oh, wait, this is the anxiety. Oh, yeah, I'm learning to feel peaceful in this experience rather than I'm learning to suffer it, right? Because that's what we've been doing up until now. I'm learning to feel peaceful, right? Now the brain's going to trigger those groups of neurons that you've been programming in to trigger. And therefore, you're going to become more aware of the fact you're anxious. You're going to become more aware of the fact that you're learning to feel peaceful and you're going to be more capable of shifting the experience in what you were in the past scenario. It's pretty straightforward, right? But this is consistent practice, like any habit. It's like if I throw you three juggling balls right now and say, go juggle, and you've never done it before, <laughs> I mean, good luck with the Cirque du Soleil, right? However, if you practice enough, what happens? You can juggle. Fantastic. Same thing. You're quite literally programming your brain to understand a particular habit. Up until now, you've had the habit of rejecting the anxiety. So what happens when you start to embrace the anxiety, lean into the anxiety, and to learn how to find more peace within the anxiety? Wow. Things would change, you see. So you're no longer reacting or resisting the experience. You're learning, quote-unquote, keyword, you're learning to accept the experience as it is, you see. So another example, say you'd normally experience jealousy. I've experienced a lot of jealousy in my relationships in the past it doesn't really come up for me anymore it does a little bit but you know very not very intensely and very rarely that's through practice and it might be when i would normally experience jealousy in my relationship i am learning to trust when i would normally experience jealousy in my relationship i am learning to trust so what happens now i see my partner speaking to a guy and She's speaking to the guy in a different language and well, I don't understand. What are they talking about? <laughs> this is a real scenario for me, by the way, guys. This has happened in my past. And I, this is actually during a time when I started utilizing future journaling, which was almost three years ago. And this worked really well for me, by the way. I did this every morning and every evening, or most evenings. I did it every morning, though. And I'd use this specific sentence. I think it was slightly different to the way I said it, but I was using it and it was, I'm learning to, because I was learning to, you know, it's not like I could instantly trust. I was still learning to. So it was more believable. That's another key, guys. You need to make sure that this, these future journaling lines are believable. 
to you so you can connect with them. Because if you don't connect with them, you're not going to have as much of a strong stimulus in your brain that will connect with the words you're saying. If there's no connection to the words you're writing, okay, there's not going to be an integration within your brain of these of this programming as deeply. So it's important to connect with it. That's why you, we use the words, I am learning too. Okay. If you feel like you're there, great. I find trust instead of I am learning to find trust. You see? Great. But that wasn't me in the time. So when I would normally experience jealousy in this relationship, I am learning to find trust. I am learning to, to trust. Okay. Now what happened is she was talking to a guy in a different language. And I remember this specifically. We were rock climbing. And... Uh, yeah, a strong sense of jealousy came up. And normally I'd be watching them like, you know, Hawkeyes, <laughs> you know, like uh, Gimli, you know, I've got the ears of a fox and the eyes of a hawk. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that was like me, man. Frick. Um, I was, I'd scope it out. I'd hold the gaze and the jealousy would build. The rage would build, right? This, 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 this would become a very pent up experience for me. So what would start to happen is with all this building up, I was suffering tremendously. And then afterwards, I'd take it out on her, right? Probably not directly because of the, like about the experience itself, but it'll build up, build up, build up. I wouldn't be able to communicate it. And then come like another experience that I didn't like, <laughs> explosion, right? I'd unleash because I'd be so frustrated and scared and afraid because I couldn't communicate my feelings because I didn't feel good enough with the feelings and I mean how could I I mean she she wasn't doing anything wrong right so I felt wrong for even feeling that way but yeah anyway what happened was I eventually came to a point when this didn't create an explosion and I came to a place of acceptance how because I continued to practice writing these words when I would normally feel jealousy I am in this relationship I am learning to feel to find trust okay these are the words that I connected with Use them in the way that you will, that connects with you. So when the jealousy started to arise, we're at this rock climbing place. I um, remember seeing it and taking a few deep breaths. But you know what? I'm, I'm choosing to trust today. I'm going to trust. Yeah. And I went and often climbed, a, climbed another rock climbing wall. The jealousy was still there, guys. It was still there. But I was building the trust. I knew that and based on my journaling, I was learning to find trust. It's not that I trusted, it's that I was learning to find trust. So I was able to tell myself, okay, this is a learning, this is a practice, this is a training for me. So what I was able to do is I was able to actually focus on what I was doing, which was rock climbing and enjoy it. And then afterwards, I was able to just talk with her and actually I was met as well, interestingly, by a more beautiful energy, probably because I didn't try to intervene, probably because... Maybe she didn't notice me watching like a hawk. <laughs> Maybe because um, I was I came with a more beautiful rather than a standoffish energy afterwards because I was more free myself as well. So I was met with almost a gratitude because I was more free with myself, therefore enabling her to be more free. Because it's not the other way around, right? If I'm being constrictive of others, it's because I'm constricting myself. The moment I start to break down my walls of how I think things should be is the moment that I'm able to allow others to be more free too, you see. So don't wait on others to allow enable and enable your freedom because it will never happen. It doesn't happen that way, right? Don't expect others to come breaking down your walls. You're only going to get triggered. Only you can bring down those walls and feel safe about it. Because what most people do is they build walls thinking that this is their security. Unfortunately, today's walls become tomorrow's prison. So in order to free yourself from that prison, you need to slowly deconstruct those walls. So until you, the point, you know, deconstruct them a little, feel a little more safe. Deconstruct them a little more, feel a little more safe, right? So you're slowly adjusting to the less amount of walls in your life. And as you do, you feel safer with the expansion, right? So this is how future journaling works. You know, you can message me with some questions about how else you can explore it. But it's pretty straightforward. All you're doing is you're taking a current experience and you're writing a new experience that would be ideal that you can connect with. And you do that, you know, three to five minutes every morning, ideally, and every night if you can. And you'll start to notice shifts. So that's the first practice. Very straightforward.
the second practice okay is uh, reprogramming using the breath so when you'd normally experience an unideal situation that is not as pleasurable as you'd expect it to be or a threatening situation where the spider's on the table and you're an arachnophobe right so you run for the hills you come to breath because what happens is a reaction happens in your body excuse me that was a chocolate burp, by the way. <laughs> so a reaction comes up in your body where your nervous system, your sympathetic nervous system stresses, your amygdala becomes upregulated, which is a strong fear region in the brain. Um, your hypothalamus stimulates and you produce a whole lot of your adrenals and become very stimulated, right? So now you're producing a lot of um, epinephrine, norepinephrine and cortisol. In other words, adrenal in the body, adrenal in the brain and this prolonged stress chemical called cortisol. So all the stuff's um, being stimulated in the system and you either fight, freeze, or flight, the three Fs, okay? Now, in this scenario, you can only be in programming, you can only be in conditioning because in fight, freeze, or flight, that is a programmed reaction of the system to keep you safe, okay? Now, in the state, you're always going to revert back to an old thing you did. You can never do a new thing so long as you're in a reaction. The only way you can do a new action is by coming to a place where you feel safe and secure and you accept the scenario or situation you're in more. How do we do this? Breath. <sighs> By changing the breath, because the diaphragmatic muscle is the only skeletal muscle in your system that you can both allow to occur unconsciously, and you can stimulate consciously, because you can allow it to move normally, which is just your normal breath when it's regulated when you're not thinking about the breath, and you can manipulate it i can change my breath or the pa pattern that i'm breathing i can stop my breath how by use um, by, by manipulating my, my diaphragmatic muscle you see so you can either inhale for six seconds hold for eight and exhale for ten so it might look like this if you inhale with me for six seconds two, three, four, five, six, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, exhale through the mouth, exhale, exhale through the mouth, three, four, five, slowly, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, inhale through the nose, two, three, four, five, six, hold, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Exhale through the mouth. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. In through the nose. Two, three, four, five, six. Hold. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Exhale through the mouth. Two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Return back to normal breathing. So if you do this at least three times, ideally, you know, about six rounds or eight rounds is actually quite an ideal number. You'll find that your body will be more de-stimulated. In other words, you'll be in a less reactive state. When you do that, you're actually showing your brain that you don't need to be in a tense reactive state in order to feel to be safe in this scenario. So you de-stimulate your system. You find a more relaxed state. And in doing so, you're showing your brain that, hey, brain, guess what? You can actually be relaxed in this moment and you'll still be safe. If you show your brain that through using the breath to come to a more de-stimulated state, you start to desensitize yourself to finding a sense of safety and security in this moment. So therefore, you become less reactive. Therefore, you suffer the moment less. So you've got to practice it through the breath. Okay. In order, and using the breath, you can come to a more desensitized state. You activate your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your your uh, sort of rest, digest. In other words, your calming system is your calming system or your de-stimulated system. When you're in this de-stimulated or calming system, your brain perceives that things around you or things here, things right now are safe. Okay, But you've got to prove to yourself that. The only way you can prove to yourself that is the case, right? is by, well, showing yourself that that's the case. And the breath is just one way. 
they can prove to self that things are safe now. That, my friends, is the second way. That's the second tool that you can take away. Use your breath more often and become more de-stimulated in moments that would normally trigger you using your breath. Third tool. This is much simpler and more straightforward, but it's a bigger tool. Integrity. Okay, good old integrity. Self-integrity. Fear, anxiety, worry, doubt. These things happen when? When you're in a moment that is perceived as a threat or is it perceived as something that could lead to being a threat? And, and, you don't feel capable of managing it or finding safety within it. That's the variable there. There's two variables, right? One, you perceive it to be a threat. And two, you don't feel capable of managing the threat. Now, integrity deals with the second variable. As you build a sense of self-trust, which is integrity, which means that when you tell yourself you're going to make your bed, you make your bed. When you tell yourself you're going to record this podcast, you record the podcast, right? When you tell yourself that you're not going to get another speeding ticket, right? Uh, yeah, dri people driving, yeah. <clears throat> check your speed, mate. Um, and you get a speeding ticket, right? If you betray your uh, self-promises, you decrease your level of self-integrity. When you decrease your level of self-integrity, you decrease you, the feeling of capability that you have in managing situations that are uncertain or unknown, okay? So when you increase, however, self-integrity by keeping your promises, by ticking off all the tasks that you have for that day, by or every time you see the dishes that are unclean, you do the dishes. Every time you see the laundry and you just don't want to do it, but you do it anyway. Every time you don't want to have a cold shower, but you have a cold shower anyway. You build self-integrity. You build self-trust. In doing so, you're showing yourself that I am capable of doing the things that I know I need to do, even when I don't feel like it. Now, when scenarios occur that are perceived as threatening, worrisome, okay, or doubtful, you show, you've shown yourself that I can manage scenarios that are unideal because of what I've already proved to myself, I've developed integrity, your brain's going to perceive these things as less threatening than what they would have been because you are capable of managing unknown and uncertain scenarios or unideal scenarios or experiences, you see. So building self-integrity in that way can create a greater sense of safety and security within yourself through self-trust so that you can manage uncertain or unknown situations more easily. Self-integrity is the third thing. Pretty straightforward. Okay, we can do a whole podcast on that one too. <laughs> but start by practicing, how can I develop a greater sense of trust within myself? Start with one small promise, right? What's one, one thing that you can do today to increase self-trust? What's one thing you can do tomorrow to increase self-trust? So maybe start with one thing a day or one thing a week, right? I'm going to do cold showers every morning this week. I'm going to meditate for five minutes every morning this week. I'm going to make my beard as soon as I wake up every single day this week, right? Start with one thing a day for a week. And then expand on it and you'll find your self-trust, self-integrity will go up and you'll feel less threatened in moments when you'd normally feel threatened. That's the third. And the fourth tool, be here. <laughs> and that's it guys, see you later. <laughs> I'll expand more on presence. I think next episode, why don't we do an episode just about presence next episode and I'll go through with you guys exactly how to be more present, more here so that you can live more in this moment and you live less in that future scenario or the past experience because when you're in that future scenario, it's quite literally just your imagination. It's, it doesn't exist right now. Yes, it is going to or could be happening. You're quite literally suffering something that does not exist because it's in your mind, right? Or you're in a past a moment, right? And therefore, you're suffering the fact that a past moment was so horrible that you can't continue to live, or a past moment was so much better than what it is now, therefore, you're so depressed about that fact, you see. So there's many things that can come up, right? Anxiety is that, f that feeling of impending doom is either happening or impending doom could happen or is around the corner or is going to happen, right? So there's anxiety there, which comes from the imagination. 
So ultimately, these depressive experiences and these anxious experiences are all in the mind. Therefore, if you're fully present and you're not in the mind, you're sad as a thing. And you exist fully here, in this moment, just as it is. When you look around, wherever you are now, whatever you're doing, whatever you're watching, you look around and you notice your scenario, your scenario, your situation, everything around you. You notice all your five senses, right? Smell, taste, touch, sound, sight. And you really tune into that and really be here, right? You'll realize that there's really no problem. The only real problem would be if someone was holding a knife or a gun. <laughs> That's really the only real problem that would be the case. But everything else, no. You're not going to die in two seconds. You're not going to starve in two seconds. You're not going to dehydrate yourself in two in the next two seconds, are you? You know you're safe. You're still listening to this podcast right in this moment from when I started talking about it. Therefore, you're actually safe. Therefore, you're actually okay. But it's a perception that it's not going to be okay because, you know, by the end of this week, I'm not going to have any more money. Therefore, I won't be able to eat. Therefore, I'm going to starve, right? So that's where the brain goes. But that's not the truth. You're, how many times have you told yourself that, you're, that you have anxiety over money, yet... Here you are one year after developing that anxiety over money and you're still alive. That anxiety was unnecessary. You're actually fine. You've, you've found a way. You'll continue to find a way as well, I guarantee it. You will. Especially if you're listening to this podcast, you've probably got an iPhone or a Mac, right? You could probably sell that and then get by on, you know, another month's of food, <laughs> right? So yes, these things, like you actually would be able to find a way, even if that was the worst case scenario. But the brain doesn't believe that. The brain thinks that. This current way of life is the only way of life. If it has to be any other way, I will suffer it. So that wraps us up, okay? Presence is something we'll dive into more next week. Use these tools. Use them. Don't just listen to them. Don't just think, oh, yeah, Karen, that's great. Okay, I'll, I'll do it. No, actually do it, okay? I don't do this for free for nothing, okay? I do this for free because I want people that will actually use these tools to take them and use them, Okay? Please, please. Thank you. Um, yeah, it's a future thank you. <laughs> In hopes that you actually do it. So please, I do I do this for free because I actually, with you know, greatest hope that you do take these away and use them. Okay. So please do. <sighs> that was a longer podcast than I anticipated. Yeah, I'll just go for another 20 minutes. <laughs> 45 minutes later. Sorry, guys. <coughs> Um, <laughs> I'll do my best to shorten these ones down to the 20 or 30 minute mark maximum on the Thursdays more often. So, uh, we'll do some housekeeping now really briefly. All right. For those that are listening to this in the first few days of release, I will be doing a, um, open ended podcast on Saturday in Takapuna. I'm unsure of the time yet, probably midday. All right. But keep an eye out on my Instagram at coach Keza, coach Keza, K-E-Z-Z-A. And in Takapuna of Auckland, New Zealand, right? Myself and my amazing, amazing assistant, Selena, right? Or in other words, Selena Creative. You can find her on Instagram as well. Uh, we'll be doing an open-ended podcast. I'm going to sit there with a couple of mics and you can come and join me and just jump on the other podcast mic and we can just have a conversation. You can ask some questions or we can just have a yarn. <laughs> it's great, right? So that's what we'll be doing uh, this Saturday. All right. I'm recording this on the Tuesday, so it will come out on the Thursday morning, and then we'll be doing the podcast on the Saturday. This will then be released in episode snippets going forward, and I'll also as well do, I might do my chat on presence then, actually. So if you want to hear more about presence live, then come join me in Takapuna. <laughs> That'll be fan. I'd love, love, love to meet you. Now, um, this podcast doesn't grow on its own. Right? I don't have um, paid advertising going around. Right, I literally do this completely free. I don't put any money into it. Okay, actually, to be honest, I actually put a lot of money into it. I had to buy these mics, like the camera that I'm on. Right, the um, this I had to buy all this equipment. Right, I have to you know pay my assistant. Um, you know, like all these different things. Right, my money does go into it quite a lot, to be fair. But I don't use any money to advertise it. So it's all organically grown. So therefore. I do rely on you guys to speak to uh, your friends, your family, or your social media community about it. If you do find value, if you found uh, any sort of value in it, um, then please do us a good old favor and uh, share it, subscribe to the channel, and uh, yeah, give us a good old rating. Um, those really go a long way, and it helps us to reach people that do need this information more as well. So I think that's it, guys. Um, 
yeah, as mentioned, it really does help when, uh, yeah, when you do any of that stuff, you, you can follow us on Instagram. Also, this podcast has its own Instagram, The Pocket Coach, which is great. And um, yeah, if you guys have any um, further questions or you have any ideas for future podcasts, then actually, um, you know, send me a message on Instagram or send me an email. Um, and uh, yeah, a lot of that description, all of that stuff's in the description of the show notes of this podcast as well. You'll be able to find the links there for that stuff. And I'll see you next time. I love you guys. Take care of yourself. Bye now. That's why I do this for you.